Good morning, everyone. Be holy. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe this stone is precious, But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, 
a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thanks for that, Jill. Well, bless you, everyone. Um, good morning. Uh, my name's David, and uh, I am a member uh, of the uh, leadership team here in Dorchester Community Church. It's lovely to hear David referring to me as his Sunday school teacher. That was a day or two ago, and uh, I have to say that he is one of the rare survivors from, from that period of time. But it was fun. You know, with children we make scripture fun. It's great stuff. And uh, they say if you start a child off in the right way at the beginning, he, will, he or she will follow that through. So true. Parents, you've got a great responsibility. But have God's word for it. If you start in the way that you want them to begin, then they will carry on with that, especially when you are referencing the Lord in their lives. Right, well... Good, so we've got the opening done. That's always the most difficult part for me. <laughs> People think I can talk forever. It's not true. I need... <laughs> I need a starter for 10. And I always find, you know, as long as we can... David's given me that this morning. I've been able to build on what he said and I'm away. So um, uh, last week we began the second of our teaching series for the year. As he, has, as he has brought to us, and it's on the letter of 1 Peter. The main theme uh, that runs through this teaching series is, is that of living hope. What a fantastic thing to have at, uh, at your back of your mind when you're ministering. But this morning there's joint themes, and those joint themes are trusting God, family, and loving life. We're going to bring those three themes together as we look into God's word this morning. Um, our passage opens with an indication that not only can we trust God, but that we can know him. A very, very important distinction. We can know God. We're we'll looking at that as we go through. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Set your hope on Jesus with minds that are alert and fully sober. No need for guesswork, it's revelation and understanding. So that's a, another wonderful way in which to start off uh, a, a morning ministry. John 17 says, this is eternal life. Now you all thought it meant that you're going to live forever. Let me tell you, those that are looking out here and everybody here, we all have eternal life. It's a question of where we spend it, not whether we've got it. And so here in John 17, verse 3, it says, This is eternal life, that you might know him. Not that you might live forever, but in your eternal life, that you may know him. That begins right here and right now, whilst we're on this scene. When we ask Jesus into our lives to forgive us our sins, he comes. And it's the beginning of a relationship. That will last forever. I've had that relationship now for a number of years. It's over 70. 
I came to Christ as a child and he's still as wonderful to me today as he was back, back then. Uh, 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope. There's our theme. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, which is an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Now, there's been a number of people in history that have embodied hope. Just a couple. Churchill did it for the victory in the last war. Florence Nightingale brought hope to the wounded and dying soldiers do it during the Crimea War. Does this ring true with your history lessons back at school? We don't necessarily hear of these people these days, but that is what Florence Nightingale did. Mother Teresa brought hope to the hopeless in India, but their hope faded when they passed on. But the resurrection of Jesus means that he is continually with us. He is a living hope, able to stand by in our difficult times. Praise God for that. But also, not only to grieve with us, grieve with us, but to rejoice with us. Now, that's the half of the equation that we often leave out. We want to see Jesus and feel him and know him in our lives in the difficult times. Of course we do. But do we then just forget that when those difficult times are dealt with? Or do we then come back to Jesus and rejoice with him? If you haven't done that, but you have reason to, do it now. It would, it would bring joy to the heart of the Lord if we just shared in our hearts uh, something of the good things that he's done for us. God wants to be involved in our lives. This is what all this is uh, pointing to. 1 Timothy 2 verse 4 said, God wants all people, not some, all people to be saved and come to know him. Did you know that God and Jesus are proactive when it comes to getting to know us? Did you know that? They're proactive. They want it. We've just read that verse. Isaiah 65 is a great one. Verse 1, it says, I revealed myself to those who didn't ask for me. Wow. Wow. He's really looking, isn't he? I was found by those who didn't seek me. Many people's testimonies uh, say to us that they weren't necessarily looking for God when he came into their lives. But he came in. Maybe people had helped them, pointed in the right direction, but I can tell you what, it's all a matter of God touching us in our innermost being. And then he reveals himself to us. Um, and do you know, the longest journey uh, on the road of faith is from here to here. That I've, I've often heard said and understand to be true, that that is the longest journey on the road to faith. Uh, from the head to the heart, you cannot, you cannot reason your way to God. You can't think him out. Uh, and uh, it's not up to you to, to find God. We've already said God is proactive in finding us. Matthew 16. Here's an easy one to remember if you're into uh, scripture verses. I like this. It's Matthew 16 and verse 16. Couldn't be easier, could it? Matthew 16, 16. Jesus is having one of those lovely moments with his disciples where they've come aside to have a little bit of time to themselves. And uh, Jesus looks at them and says, them, 
you're, you're around the villages, you're going out, you know what people say. What are they saying? Who do they say I am? And the disciples, well, some think you're a prophet, some think you're this person, some think you're that person. And Jesus said, well, who do you say I am? And uh, it was Peter, dear old Peter, who got up and said, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. And uh, Jesus said to him, flesh and blood has not shown that to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. You can't think him out. You, of course, use your mind to interpret what people are saying to you and the things that God is bringing into your, into your, into, into your mind. But the last link is God's, and that link he makes in your heart. So you can't think him out. And this morning, there's an opportunity for you maybe to go that one step further, to take that journey from here down to here and accept Jesus into your life through faith. Uh, And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. The message of the cross is one of a loving God reaching out to a lost humanity. Sin had separated us from God, and he wanted us back. But he didn't buy us back with silver or gold. No, instead, he sent the most precious thing that he had. He sent his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross, taking the punishment for your sins, taking the punishment for my sins, for sure. And by doing that, earning the right to forgive us our sins. And you can't get more involved in that. God is looking for you this morning. Luke 19, verse 10, the Son of God came to seek, came to seek and to save. He knew you, he knows you, he loves you, and he wants you back. Uh, And so it's a matter of receiving, not searching. I like this one when this thought came into my mind. Jesus found you before you found him. Isn't that interesting? Jesus is already on your case. (laughs) Jesus already is wanting to be a part of your life. He started the whole process that led you to him. That's the right way round. It's not a matter of us deciding who God is or whether he is. It's a matter of listening to what he's saying to us in our heart. This morning, that process will be going on through the Holy Spirit. He will come to you right where you are. And if you want to this morning, you can ask Jesus into your life. Uh, And it will be the Holy Spirit that is leading you. You may have had people alongside you. You may have had things impact on you about who Jesus is. And maybe this morning, it's the time for you to invite him into your life. There's uh, a thing called the sinner's prayer. And I think we're going to put that up. There's a copy of that coming up. There's it. There it is, the sinner's prayer up there behind me. I want you to notice in this um, four key elements. And these elements are essential if you want to pray these prayer, this prayer. If you are not sure of any of them, then don't pray it. But uh, let's just read through the three key elements. It is that of saying, I know that I am a sinner. We have to understand that sin is in our lives. And we have to be willing to want it to not be there. So, again, it's Holy Spirit revelation that you have sin in your life and recognize it. Number one. Number two, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. 
obviously foundational. I believe that he died on the cross and took the punishment for my sin and that he rose again. So others may have been helping you, but now we can pray this prayer. If you want to, and if you recognize those four essential elements, then please pray along with me. We're going to pray silently. This is a matter, this is an affair of the heart. So we're going to pray silently. Others here who know and understand this, please pray along this prayer silently with me. Um, So let us now just concentrate on who we are and what God is saying to us and speaking to us in our heart. And let's just pray this prayer. Dear Lord, I know that I am a sinner and I need a saviour. I want to turn away from my sinful life to the life that you have planned for me. Please forgive me my sins. Cleanse me from my past and make me new. I know that you, the Lord Jesus Christ, are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that you rose again from the dead. I accept and confess you as my personal saviour. To live in my heart from this day forward, I am sorry for my sin, Lord Jesus, and thank you that your forgiveness has given me eternal life. Please send your Holy Spirit to guide me and help me to do your will for the rest of my life. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, and we can all say, Amen. Now, if you have prayed that prayer, and if that is something that the Lord is doing with you right now, uh, wherever you are, then please contact us. Um, And this is one of the most essential things that every newborn Christian must do. They must make contact with someone to continue on with the work that Jesus has begun in their lives. And if you would like somebody to pray for you or with you, please contact us on that number for Dorchester Community Church. We will respond to you. There will be someone that can talk to you about something (laughs) that has begun in your life this morning, something wonderful. And by the way, this is not just for sinners coming to Christ this morning. This is for anyone who has suddenly grown cold in the love of the Lord and maybe for a year or two has been out of fellowship. Well, maybe the Lord is speaking to you this morning, saying, come on, let's get together again. I am seeking you. I do want to be a part of your life. Let's begin that journey again together. We're going to have a break now, and a song is going to be brought to us by the worship group, and it's one that they, uh, I think, believe is uh, fitting after we've prayed the sinner's prayer. Well, that chorus has referenced the blood of Jesus, which, of course, was shed when he died on the cross in order to forgive us our sin. And it also spoke about the word of Jesus. And once we ask Jesus into our lives, forget trying to reason it out. Accept it. Receive it. Uh, There is no need to reason it out. You've got his word for it. He has come into your life. He has forgiven you your sins. And you are now, as the term goes, born again. Um, Once anyone prays that prayer sincerely and has received Jesus into their life, then a number of things happen. Number one, instant forgiveness. Not just for the sins of today, 
but for every sin of the past. See, God doesn't do things by halves. When you ask him into your life uh, to forgive your sins in the name of Jesus, then he not only forgives you, but he forgives you completely. Completely. Past sins are gone. But you know, you need to be seeking forgiveness. We need to be seeking forgiveness for the sins of the present. Uh, And that is a constant. That is a constant. Well, of course it is, because although my past sins have gone, my weaknesses haven't. They will trip me up and cause me to sin again for sure. My weaknesses have not gone, even though my sins have. Uh, And uh, maybe we we need to be going back to Jesus uh, again uh, today, Uh, and uh, uh, maybe... um, to forgive us our sins for not only today, but for the ones we're commit in the next few hours, and maybe for the sins that we're going to be committing in the next few minutes. There's a good old hymn we used to sing that says, I need thee every hour, stay thou close by. What a lovely hymn that was. Have you been to the Lord this morning? He is close by. Have you been to him this morning to ask him to forgive you your sins of yesterday and today? If you haven't, you almost certainly will need to by the time you get back home this afternoon, this morning, for dinner. But yes, of course, the Lord is gracious and forgives us whenever we ask him. And yes, of course, we let it slip. Let's be honest about these things. We let it slip. And before we can look round, we've got a whole catalogue of sins built up that we haven't brought to Jesus for weeks. Not good, is it? That's not good. Anyone here like that, apart from me? You don't have to put your hands up. I know it applies to you all. (laughs) More than that, so does Jesus. Jesus knows who we are, what we are, and what we're thinking. And uh, it's good for us to go back to Jesus and put the record straight again, as often as we feel we ought. It might seem an onerous thing to do. Oh no, really? Got to come to Jesus and ask him to forgive my sins again. Yes, it might seem onerous, but actually it keeps us close to him. Amazing. Um, we have the, he forgave us all our sin. We have the record of the cross for that. And so we have the trust that tells us he's going to forgive us at any time that we come to him. So forgiveness is one of the things that happens when we ask Jesus into our lives. Jesus will forgive you. But hear this, he won't live your life for you. Jesus will forgive you, but he won't live your life for you. You have choices to make, decisions to make, uh, and they are your responsibility. Don't ask Jesus to live your life for you. Just be overwhelmingly glad and happy that he's forgiven you and will always do so. He gives you the responsibility of living your life and taking ownership for your own sins. Don't blame others. That's maybe what we would like to do, uh, but I can tell you that's not what we should be doing. I can also say that for me, even this week, there has been issues where I've had to own up to things that I've done wrong and not to try and blame others. Oh, I would like to have done, (laughs) but I can't. (laughs) 
um, we need to take responsibility and ownership for our own sins. You know, in the Garden of Eden, uh, a wonderful story, the first sin that was committed there um, between a, a serpent uh, that, uh, that, that, that brought temptation and Adam and Eve. And uh, the story goes that, um, that Adam blamed Eve for the temptation and the first sin. Eve blamed, blamed Adam, but the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> Don't try and blame others. Recognize your own shortcomings. Believe me, when it comes to your sins, you haven't got a leg to stand on, nor have I. So let's get on with getting back to the one who forgives our sins, puts the record straight, and then asks us to walk with him again, hand in hand. Recognize your own shortcomings. Becoming a member of God's family is another thing that happens when Jesus comes in. Someone once said about our families that they are like fudge, mostly sweet, but with a few nuts. Now, now that's a sin if you're thinking of someone. <laughs> mustn't, mustn't do it. Might be, might be true. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't, couldn't resist that. An elderly man decided his acutely bad hearing needed sorting out. And it isn't me, but it could be. Uh, he got the doctor to, dis- to prescribe hearing aids. On the first day he wore them, he told no one. It's a bit naughty, really, a bit sneaky. Something I'd like to do, mine, I have to say. <laughs> he told no one that he'd got the hearing aids in. A few weeks later, he went back to the doctor. How did you get on, asked the doctor. Well, said the old man, it's quite interesting. He said, I didn't tell anyone I'd got my new hearing aids in. They all thought I was still deaf. Now I've changed my will three times. <laughs> It's got an element of truth in it, hasn't it? Our human families can at times be rather strange. We can be insensitive, critical, and hurtful. We can use nicknames that aren't funny. We can make jokes that put other family members down. Some things that might be funny to us are hurtful to others. So please, stop it. I say that to myself because I'm just as guilty. I say that to myself. We didn't ought to be doing that. The church family is the same. You might be surprised to hear. (laughs) God made the family to reflect the intimate relationship between Father, Son and Holy Spirit. To have the same values as his heavenly family. Which are being of one mind, one purpose and with a complete sense of love and intimacy. I need to think about that for a minute. You don't need me to tell you that something went very badly wrong. You don't find those three core values at the centre of any church or family today. Some have got it a bit wrong, still need to work on it. Some have got it completely wrong. And their church or family scene is an absolute disaster area. Think think hard on these things. Um, And some have got it completely wrong. And their church or or family uh, are doing exactly the opposite values to what God originally 
intended. And that's Holy Spirit um, uh, um, intervention and uh, revelation as to where these things apply in our lives. Um, right, so, uh, so we've got these values wrong. So in his word, the Bible, God gives some very clear and practical advice on what to aim at in order to bring our church or family life back on track and into line with his blueprint. Listen to this. Matthew 22, 37, 39. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's a big ask for a start. That is a big ask. But that is what God does ask, that we love him with all our soul, heart, soul, and mind. And more than that, it says all the Ten Commandments hang on these two, uh, on these two commandments. Notice the essential element of putting God first. <laughs> That's a difficult one. Gloria has often said to me, Gloria's my wife, for those who don't know, my long-suffering wife of 50 years, another great survivor. Uh, she <laughs> she uh, says to me and, and I to her, do you know who comes first in my life? Jesus. Do you know who comes first in my life? Not you, Dave. Jesus. And that's exactly the way I want it. Why? Because when we have that as the core and centre of our life, our marriage is a hundred times better. Uh, Jesus does this for us. It's wonderful, isn't it? So it's essential to put God first. And that's his rightful place. Uh, and it, it, it's wonderful for church and family. John thirteen thirty-five has, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. What am I going to say? We know that verse. What am I going to say about it? Well, when we get our relationship right with Jesus, it brings a natural witness element to it and others see it. Uh, I, I think Ian is not here this morning, but Ian said a little while ago, is he here? He's in the back. Hello, Ian. He's, <laughs> he's come up and finish this for me, will you? He says... Um, he, he says that, that we are sometimes the only Bible other people read. So we need to put Jesus first in our lives. And then that, um, that essence of Jesus will flow out through us. And other people will see it. Believe me, they won't, not all of them will like it, but they'll see it. Our second piece of heavenly advice, get your, get your ears open for this one, is found in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verses 4 and 8. And it's all about the love that we should have uh, in our family uh, relationships. And you've all, you all know it, but I'm going to read it. You're not getting away with it. It says this, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. Love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking or easily angry. How are you getting on so far? Are these values that you are living out in your own life and in your, in your family life? Hmm, interesting. It doesn't stop there. I wish it did. It goes on to say, it keeps, love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Wow. <laughs> I sometimes wish that uh, I didn't have to read some of these things. We need to set these targets at these as targets. Quite 
definite here, and if anyone wants to throw anything at me, please feel free. But we need to set these, these love issues as targets. They're not absolutes that are easily achievable. What's he talking about? Well, if you don't agree with me, then you try and make them absolutes and see how far you get. I wish you every blessing on that journey, my friends. I think it's better for us to make them targets and keep coming back to remind ourselves when we fall short. Press the reset button and start again. Our church, all churches, would soon be different if we did this. And our families would have new life breathed into them. Believe me. And here's the rub, because you not only get all those targets to aim at, but there's more, you've got your part to play in them. Oh no, you've got your part to play in them, me too. Matthew 5, 9 weighs right in with blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Here's a part for us to play in our church and in our family, peacemakers. What a wonderful thing to be tasked with uh, and what a difficult thing to achieve. It's something, really, that is a never-ending task. If you were a peacemaker yesterday or last week or last month, you need to be the same peacemaker today, tomorrow and on into the future. It's a part to play. Every church needs them. James 3.18 says this, just to help you out a little bit, peacemakers who sow in peace will, will reap a harvest. So don't give up. You may have exhausted your patience in some directions. Do not give up because seeds have been sown. Even as we stand or sit here this morning, seeds have been sown and the Holy Spirit's working on it. Never give up. If you are a peacemaker, continue on because you will reap a harvest. Psalm 133.1 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people dwell together in a spirit of unity. Oh dear, how often have I heard that said? How true it is. And how often does it happen? Well, it does happen, but it's, it's not easily achieved. It needs peacemakers for us all to dwell in in unity. It reflects the one mind and purpose uh, aspect that exists in the Father, Son and Holy Spirit uh, family. Another goal to aim at. And just think, church, how good it would be if we went forward together with one mind and one purpose in Christ. Yes, I think lots of peacemakers are required in churches and families. And if it's not completely achievable and that's not speaking against myself if it's not completely achievable then it is achievable in part do you hear that if i'd like to say it's all going to happen tomorrow we're going to achieve this wonderful status but we're not it's not completely achievable but it is achievable in part so let's get on with it Uh, and we can always add to it as we journey on. Being a peacemaker and seeking to live in unity are just two aspects of the part you can play in the church or family. But 
is another difficult bit here, but we need to get ourselves right first, don't we? We need to look on the inside before we can be effective on the outside. After all, we may be part of the problem. Oh dear, I'm afraid that's true. That doesn't mean to say you're all rubbish. Not at all. There are areas where you are shining brilliantly and brightly. There's other areas that we need to brush up on. So being a peacemaker is great. But look on the inside before you look on the outside. Give you a sense of humility uh, in order to go forward, which is essential uh, in Christ's family. Well then, when you've got all that sorted out, I hope you've made copious notes and you're going to go uh, away and start working on them. But when you've got all that sorted out, then we can start to come to our last title up on the board, Loving Life. 1 Timothy 6 and 6 says, Godliness with contentment is a great gain. Well, we dealt with godlessness and we dealt with sin at length. And we prayed the prayer and joined the church as a working family member. I have to emphasise that because sometimes when people are born again, that's where they stop. They, oh, it's all done now. I'm born again. My sins have been forgiven. Job done. Good. No, it's not good. That is the beginning. <laughs> that's not the entirety of it all. We then need, to, uh, uh, um, then need to become a working member of God's church and our own families. In closing then, I would just like to touch on the thought raised in 1 Peter and chapter 2, where Jesus is referred to as the living or chief cornerstone. And we had that, our worship group brought that to us uh, in song earlier. The living or chief cornerstone. It's a picture of a building foundation. And, and back then, a huge massive stone was placed into one corner of the building. It would take the entire weight of the building, although the smaller stones around it helped to distribute the weight. I'm not an architect, so I better stop there. Jesus is the chief cornerstone, the Bible tells us, of the church. He has chosen us to be living stones. We have a part to play. Supported through the, uh, the revelation and, and authority of the Holy Spirit. And he has chosen us to be living stones to serve in the church family. All of which leads to godly contentment. Ah, isn't that nice? Yes, you can be content this morning if you're born again and are doing the best you can. And I was asking you to do more than that in terms of becoming an active member of the church family. Be at peace with that. John 14, 7, 27 says, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Have you read that? Is that favourite verse of yours? Make it one. Because uh, it's his peace, not the world's peace. The world's peace is like the world, world's pleasures. It doesn't last. We're content and happy for a while, then along comes trouble and robs us of our peace. Well, we've all been there. Perhaps some of us are there at the moment. Uh, and uh, so then we get robbed of our peace. But the peace that Jesus gives lasts forever. Why? Because he gives it down here. 
Right? This is where the world's peace generally circulates. But the peace that Jesus gives, he gives it down here in that same place that he may have touched somebody this morning uh, um, and they've come to him. That's where Jesus gives his peace. So the troubles of the world won't disappear and they will threaten our inner peace. They can't remove it. They cannot remove it. The peace we find in Jesus will help us through. Uh, you need never be alone again. To, so again, please talk to us about it. Um, we've had the number up there, there if you want to use it. Please talk to us about the issue of inner peace. Lovely, lovely thing to discuss amongst Christians. In Jesus, we can begin to live a life, uh, to love life, despite the difficulties. And uh, Gloria and I, don't think that Gloria and I are free from problems. Don't think, oh, that's all right from you. You never have problems. Of course we do. No, not between Gloria and me. They've all got their books out. Can you see? (laughs) That was interesting this morning. It's amazing what pops out, isn't it? No, no, Gloria and I are fine. Aren't we, love? (laughs) We're okay. But we know, that's because we know how to access and hang on to the peace which Jesus gives and which is available to us all. God bless you this morning as the Lord brings some of these thoughts to you uh, and to your hearts. Thank you.